Take your Bibles, please. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. I want to pick up on something that I was preaching earlier in the, in the last couple of weeks, but the title of this message is called Brokenness, Not Broken. I also came up with a second subtitle, because I'm a preacher and we do that, called The Blessing of Brokenness. This message God has so put on my heart over the last year, this will be a message that I'll preach here and when I go to Copenhagen to preach later this year and on several different places, this is the message the Lord has really given me to bring that I believe is vital for the body of Christ. How many of you are ready to let the Lord do a work in you this morning? Second Corinthians 12 verses 7 through 10 says, And least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, Lord, we invite you to have your way with us this morning. This pivotal word, we're ready to receive. We're hungry. Father, we thank you that this word will transform us for your glory. May we decrease and may you increase. And everybody said amen. A.W. Tozer, one of the great preachers of the last century, said, It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. I want to read that again. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. As I said, God's been dealing with me about this idea of brokenness, but not being broken. And it is necessary that God takes anyone who wants to know him, serve him, and be mightily used by him. He'll take them through seasons of pain, through trials, hardships that break you of you but won't leave you broken and won't leave you wounded i want to remind you that only god can hurt us without damaging us turn to someone right now and tell them you ain't damaged goods go ahead just tell them real quick if you watch through the bible god took people that were used mightily by him through this david Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, Job, Peter, Paul, every one of them were broken to the point where they truly wondered if they were broken beyond repair. They were not, but God took them to the very end of themselves. In that time, they doubted themselves. They wondered how they could ever be used of God. You'll hear Paul cry out, of all the sinners, I'm the worst of every single one of them. Some wondered 
like Jeremiah or Isaiah, if they had wasted their life. Others, like Elijah, just wanted their life to come to an end. But it was in their greatest moments of despair, failure, betrayal, depression, in their greatest moment of pain, that God developed them into the mighty instruments of God that they became for Him. Listen to me. Brokenness is painful, but it develops humility. And it develops a dependence on God that very few people experience. In the same way that olives are crushed to produce oil. In the same way that grapes are crushed to make a fine wine. And in the same way that flowers are crushed to make perfume. We must be humbled before we can be mightily used by God. Now, I recognize that this won't be one of those messages that everyone will jump into immediately and go, man, I'm all in. Here's what I want to tell you. The American church has become so soft and so comfortable. That is one of the reasons we have become very powerless. But I believe this, that God is doing a new work in the body of Christ. But in order for the Lord to work through us, He must break us of ourselves. True brokenness, listen, can take you to a place of healing that pride has kept you from going to. If God is breaking you, although it's challenging, although it's painful and emotionally draining, you and I can rejoice knowing that God thinks we are worth the refining process. Now listen, when I tell you that God gave me a word for today, I wasn't kidding. Turn to someone and say, I know it's summer, but God's still moving. Go ahead, tell them real quick. I want to tell you, I got to go on vacation. I'm a little refreshed this morning, so get ready for a word. God will take us through trying times that will refine us, through times that will heal us, that will break us from things that hold us back, and that will draw out what's valuable inside of us. And the truth is that many of us are going to go through several of these times during our lifetime and in our walk with God. In over 30 years of ministry, I can tell you that there have been several seasons where God has had to again bring me to the end of me. Bring to the end of of everything, Because at the moment you think that you've got it all together, that's the moment that God wants you to know that you still need Him more than ever in order to accomplish His will. Every one of us will go through several of these times in our life. Broken times come in many forms. They come in many ways. Some of them are unique to just you and me. But others are things that we all must experience. These aren't times to be avoided. These aren't times to be traded in. They're to be embraced. They'll leave us weak. They'll leave us questioning ourselves. They'll leave us questioning God. And they'll leave us questioning our choices. I want you to know that God's not afraid of any of our questions. And neither should you. There are things that have happened in life where it has made me stop and say, God, I don't understand it, and I don't get it, and I want to know why. 
And there are times like Paul where God will give an answer and there are other times where God won't answer and he'll say, my grace is sufficient for you. I just want to know that you'll serve me whether I give you an answer you like or whether you don't. Brokenness is an absolutely adequate word to describe how we feel when we go through those seasons. Utterly at the end of ourselves and over almost everything. But you need to hear this. Just because you're going through a season of brokenness does not mean that you're broken. It may feel like it, but you're not. What's happening is that you and I are being refined. We need to stop asking the questions, what is wrong with me? Why am I such a failure? And ask instead, what is God doing in all of this? And how can I cooperate with him? I want you to think about the person that you most spiritually admire. Maybe it's someone you know. Maybe it's someone you've read about. These people may also not be the most popular people. But I guarantee you that their anointing and their usefulness to God came from brokenness and pain rather than arrogance and pride. I read something this week that I loved. It said, pray for the people that pour into you. Their wisdom didn't come without pain. There is a great shaking that's going on in the body of Christ right now. We've seen this happen throughout history several times. But I'm telling you there is a shaking like I have never seen in my lifetime that God is refining the body of Christ. Those who want to know God and to be used mightily of God are being broken. And those that are arrogant are being revealed. Before David could be king, he had to go tend sheep. He defeated giants, and he was anointed, but he was not released to lead until he learned how to tend. David had to learn to be a keeper before he could learn to be a king. Moses spent 40 years in the desert before he could spend 40 years leading Israel through the wilderness. You must have been there before you can take people where God needs them to be. God's called us to heal the sick, to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the wounded. But you don't know how to do that until you've been there yourself and you've seen that God is faithful and that God will heal you and God will work through you. Listen, the anointing that comes from brokenness will cost you. In the American church, we don't talk about the cost of following Jesus. The Bible says that if you're going to go after the Lord, you need to consider the cost. Church, I want to tell you, I believe God wants to work through us like we've never seen before in this day and age. But it's going to cost us something. Turn to someone and tell them it'll cost you. Go ahead, tell them real quick. Deep Heart-searching change is painful. It's labor-intensive, as well as emotionally and physically exhausting. Isaiah compared these times to childbirth. In Isaiah 26, 17, it says, As a woman with child is in pain and cries out in her pains when she draws near the time of her delivery, 
So have we been in your sight, O Lord. Someone said this, there is always travail before you prevail. I like that. I want to remind you that joy is coming, life is coming, unspeakable love is coming, a great future and adventure are on the way, and the pain that you will go through as Jesus refines you is worth every bit of it. I want you to, if you're taking notes, to write this down this morning. Brokenness often precedes breakthrough. Now, I don't know if you're a little bit like me. I don't always look forward to the broken times, but I know they're coming and I know they're necessary. But brokenness precedes breakthrough. Brokenness is the process in moving us from where we are to where the Holy Spirit wants us to be. Every single one of us in this room have been hurt by life and have been hurt by people. Listen, if you're in that crowd, say a good amen. And the work of brokenness helps us to process our hurts and our wounds properly in order to find God's healing in our lives. Listen to me. Without spiritual healing, we all too often wind up living a life of woundedness instead of brokenness. And it is in our brokenness before God that we're made whole. It is the devil's desire to wound us so that we live broken. And for every believer, it is important to know the difference between woundedness and brokenness. Because brokenness and woundedness are two different things. A wounded person is one who experiences a trial and holds on to the pain and anger instead of surrendering it to the Lord. And rather than breaking of the self-life, there becomes a strengthening of it. Those type of people wind up going through life with a chip on their shoulder, always having to prove something, never learning how to really love people who are their enemies, or how to minister out of hurt so that others can be healed. And many of us in the body of Christ are wounded, and we've not allowed the further divine work of brokenness to take place in our pain. Listen, woundedness almost always precedes breaking because it's really when we're hurting that we seek the Lord most desperately. Our sufferings have the potential of breaking us if we allow them to. If we don't short-circuit God's work by staying wounded and by refusing to move on into brokenness. This is one of the biggest problems in the modern church today. That there are not so many broken, pliable people as there are wounded people. How do you know when you're wounded instead of broken? Here's a few ways. When wounded, I focus on myself. And my inner pain. When I'm broken, I focus on the cross and on Jesus, and I'm not so aware of my own pain. When wounded, I find it difficult to forgive others, God, or even myself. But when broken, I'm aware of and I accept God's mercy, and in gratitude, I extend forgiveness to others. When wounded, I'm too preoccupied with inner turmoil to see the needs of others. But when broken, 
I'm free of self. So I'm easily sensitive to the needs of others. When wounded, I'm self-protecting, usually unwilling to risk further pain. But when broken, I want the best for others and willing to sacrifice lovingly and serve them. When When wounded, my goal is a painless life, free of suffering. I don't want to hurt anymore. But when broken, my goal is Jesus at all costs, even if pain is involved. Listen, when we resist God's dealings and we hold tightly and protectively to our self-life, then the trials which God sends us to break us will actually only wound us and we defeat his purposes. Our self-life then continues to remain strong and willful and independent of God, although bruised and hurting. But when we allow the deep wounds to remain in our inner man, they will restrict the life of the Lord within us. Listen, God's will is that we yield to him in our pain and submit to his hand and embrace his dealings. Turn to someone and say, let God deal with you. Go ahead. Tell someone right now. Now here's what happens. As we do that, there is a genuine death to the self-life as we enter into a deeper life of the Holy Spirit. When our love of self is weakened and our love for God is strengthened, trials and sufferings come to us in order to establish and strengthen us in the faith. If you and I respond to holding on to woundedness, we defeat the purpose of suffering. But if you and I will embrace the cross and stay broken before the Lord, enduring each trial with our eyes on Jesus, yielding to the way he's dealing with our hearts, you and I will come out of the trial more conformed to the image of God and reflecting his glory. Now listen, if you can identify with the symptoms of woundedness, it's a good sign you're holding on to pain. And the Lord desires that you turn it over to Him. The Bible says, cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. I want you to understand, church, that in order to walk in the anointing that God has called the church to live in in this day and age, you've got to know that God loves you and cares for you or you'll never convince the people that you're bringing to Jesus of the same thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. It is human nature to pride ourselves in our ability to be unbroken. The British call it having a stiff upper lip. In America, we revel in the idea of of allowing no one to ever see you sweat. We've become hard so no one could ever hurt us or our heart. We put on the facade of having it all together sometimes so well that we actually believe it ourselves. Turn to someone and say, you don't got it all together. Go ahead and tell them right now. We spend so much time trying not to appear cracked, 
hurt, or weak. We are told to always project strength. Listen, half of what is taught in churches today is all about how to keep ourselves strong, intact, and to be the best version of ourselves. We come to God crying out to be whole when we would do just as well to say with all sincerity, Lord, wound me, break me, mold me, shape me, and then fill me and make me more like you. How many of you know our heart cry as the people of God has got to change? Now listen, the process of breaking pride is a God thing. All of us struggle with pride on some level. Everyone. Everyone. And I can assure you that if we do not allow God to break us of pride, then pride will ruin us. Paul, the mighty man of God, was having visions from God. He was taken into heaven. He said, I know a man. He said, when God showed me around heaven, he showed me great and inexpressible things which no man can utter. Can't even say. What he was saying is, I don't even know how to explain to you what I saw. He had deep talks with God and angels. Paul saw the sick healed to the point that even his shadow and pieces of cloth would be enough to see miracles and healings. And I want to remind you that this is heady stuff for anybody. The Apostle Paul was a man like you and I. You and I as a church are asking that God would use us the same way that he used Paul. But listen, you've got to know what you're asking for, and you've got to be ready to know that if you're going to be used like the Apostle Paul, God's got to do something inside of us, and we've got to let him. In response to God's amazing favor and blessing over his life, God sent Paul a thorn in the flesh, and the Bible says it was a messenger of Satan so that Paul would not become prideful. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Because of these surprisingly great revelations, therefore in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. The Amplified says, because of the surpassing greatness and extraordinary nature of the revelations which I received from God for this reason, to keep me from thinking of myself as important, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan as torment and harass me to keep me from exalting myself. The New Living Translation says, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Today, with all the talk of achieving our dreams, of becoming self-reliant, self-sufficient, the best version of ourselves, living our best life. All we have become is self-righteous. And remember, every one of those things are about us, not Jesus. That's going to rock some people who need to hear that. If I've used some of those phrases and you've been using them, 
please understand you've bought into a lie that's in the world right now. We talk about becoming leaders and influencers and less about becoming the servant of all. We're so busy trying to be great that we've lost our ability to relate. We're so busy focusing on impact that we've lost the common touch that was able to transform hearts. I want to remind you that with God, the way up is down. He said, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up in due time. People should spend less time discussing their authentic self and more time dying to themselves and discussing Jesus. Please understand, all the rest is about self-identity, but our identity is found in him. Hear me, God values humility and brokenness over ability and giftedness. And it takes brokenness to rid us of pride. The sooner that we realize we are flawed, broken, and under, utterly dependent upon God, the sooner we will experience true joy and freedom. Psalms 34:18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. The Bible clearly teaches that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He is close to those who realize they are flawed and sinful and prideful and full of themselves and those who will willingly humble themselves before God. Listen, Psalms 51.17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Hear me, in our quest to be a success, to be an influencer, God sees we are willing to sacrifice everything except being broken. To give all our dreams and disappointments to him alone. I want to tell you I've realized after 30 years of ministry there are things that I was taught when I went into ministry that were not right. Go to dream conferences. I mean you should have a dream but it better be God's. The truth is most of them were ours and we hoped God would rubber stamp them. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. We've taken the secular concepts and decided to phrase them into, mo- into spiritual things yeah. and it's turned the church around backwards. Big time. Big time. In God's economy, it is only when we're weak It is only when we lose our self-reliance that we're truly strong. We self-righteously talk about, we talk ourselves right out of weakness. But I have a revelation for you. It was when Jesus was broken. It was when Jesus' body was whipped. When he was physically weak. And on the cross, he was forsaken by God and he felt emotionally abandoned and alone. 
It was when he was hanging naked on display for all to see, humiliated and dishonored, that he broke the power of sin and death. That's when it took place. Modern Christianity wants nothing to do with this weakness and humility stuff. And we have never been weaker in the history of the world. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10 says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then, then, someone say that word, then, I am strong in the world. We like to boast about our accomplishments, our strengths, and we downplay our weaknesses. For Paul, it became the opposite. He said, I would rather boast about my infirmities and my weaknesses. In our day, with the miracles that Paul did, they'd put up a tent, they'd put out TV advertisements and say, come on to where Paul is, he's healing everybody. Paul didn't brag about the healings. He bragged about the weaknesses, infirmities. And then he said, and God's done a work in me. He'll do the same for you. Simple prayers. Powerfully working in people's lives. When most people would have been strutting, God brought Paul to his knees. And he learned to like it. I want to say it again. He learned to like it. Are you listening to me this morning? Someone said at your highest moment, be careful. Because that's when the devil comes for you. We've seen America turn from a Christian nation into a very secular, godless nation. Because the church has been strutting around about all we've done and the churches we've built and the big things that we've done and our accomplishments instead of allowing God to humble us. Paul learned that God would break him so that Satan couldn't destroy him. Now I want you to get this. During the breaking, we're going to want the pain to stop. That's natural. During the breaking process, we're going to cry out for God to take it all away. Listen, Paul did. Understand when that, that messenger of Satan, that thorn in the flesh came, Paul cried out, Lord, take it away from me. But just like Paul, we must be ready to hear the word no. We don't like the word no, especially when we hurt. Paul was given a thorn and God told him, learn to live with the pinch. Let that mess with your theology for a little while. Back in the old days, they would have said, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Right now, most churches are saying, listen, you, you shouldn't, if God's really in what he's doing, you'll never hurt. If God's in what he's doing, he won't, he won't ever let you feel the pinch. He'll take it all away. That's a lie of the devil. None of us likes to be an old no, especially when it comes to pain. The Bible says that Paul 
And Paul said himself, he pleaded with God to take it away three times. And three times, God said to Paul, no. Listen, thorns are painful, and they're definitely annoying. They hurt. And notice that we're not told exactly what the thorn was. People got all kinds of theories about Paul's thorn. Well, he was sick, or he was a midget, or he spoke weird, or all kind of weird, goofy things that people come up with. Listen, it was a messenger of Satan, and God didn't, that God allowed to come to Paul, and he didn't tell us what the thorn was, because sometimes your thorn is going to be different than Paul's. Because God knows exactly how to annoy you so that you'll be dependent upon him. Paul pleaded. That word plead is no small word. It is literally begging and making a deal with God. Paul, the mighty man of God, is going, Lord, take this from me. I'll do whatever you want. They can stone me again. They can prison me again. They can do anything. Just take this thing away. He begged in the midst of, in the midst of tears, just this shy of being angry. Paul was over it frustrated. He was at the end of himself, and that's exactly where God wanted him. Here's what God said. No. My grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. God didn't say, oh, Paul, I know it hurts. Let me take it away. He said, my grace is is enough, and it's more than enough. My strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And someone in here needs to hear this. You've been asking God to minister in the power of God, but you want to feel strong, you want to feel on top of the world, and you want to feel invincible. But my friend, that's where pride comes in to destroy you. I want to tell you as your pastor, I thought there'd be this place where I'd be able to walk around and just, you know, anywhere I went and I'd never feel the weakness. I'd always feel the strength and everything would be good. And anytime I got to that place, God would cut my knees right out from underneath me and bring me back to my face before the Lord. Here's the thing. You and I were never meant to walk around with our chest out, thumping it, going, listen, I've watched more of these preachers on TV going, listen, God's going to work. Can I tell you, Christian, that's not how God called us to be. You want to see the powerful people that are used by God? They're not high on themselves. They know that they're weak. And they've learned to embrace it. And when they find themselves getting prideful, they learn to humble themselves before God does it for them. God is bringing us to the point where we realize we don't need to be great. We don't need to be strong in ourselves. He's bringing the church where we are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not on our own. And that's where God works best. The people that God works through the most have learned to live with the pain. They've embraced the pinch. The thing about themselves and their life that keeps them close to God the things that they do, not sin, 
but certain things about themselves that they'll do that embarrasses them every time they do it. You ever been there? The thorn may be a messenger of Satan, but it has to become something that we're thankful for so it keeps us dependent on the Lord. Are you still with me? Brokenness brings us to the end of ourselves. But I have good news for you. The end of ourselves is still just the beginning of God. Brokenness brings us to the place where we no longer care what people think of us. And I don't mean that you walk around telling everybody you don't care what you think about them. Because the truth is, if you're telling everybody you don't care what, you think of, what they think about you, you're caring what they think about you. I don't care what you think about me. One of the reasons God can't use many of us the way he desires to is because we're too concerned about what people would think. We are self-conscious and not God-conscious. In Luke 7, we see the story of the woman with the alabaster box. This woman was a sinner, and she came to worship Jesus. She knew what everyone thought about her. It was no secret. Everybody knew her past. She was a sinner. The Bible doesn't tell us what her sin is, but she brought this expensive box filled with precious ointment, and she broke it. And she anointed Jesus' feet with the ointment and her tears. And she positioned herself behind him at his feet so it wouldn't be awkward or misunderstood. And she began to wipe his feet with her hair. She was so broken, she just wanted to know the anointing. She wasn't worried that she was at Jesus' feet. Someone needs to hear this. She was broken. She was in tears. But her worship meant more than all the fancy people put together that were there. Brokenness means that we're not concerned about how we look to others only to God. It wasn't until the alabaster box was broken that the fragrance of that worship was released. And it wasn't until this woman came to the end of her sin that she was willing to worship in tears and at the feet of Jesus. And she didn't care that what anyone thought of her and neither did Jesus. Listen, the fragrance of God the preciousness of what is inside of us is only released when we're broken. You're not wounded, and you're not going to die. Tell someone next to you, you're not going to die. How many of you know that to live is Christ? The guy is gained. Listen, so you're never going to die. I want to tell you, there are times when God has broken me. I have sat there and said, I just want to die. And the devil will try to convince you to do it. Oh, he will. There was one time years ago while pastoring this church, I went through a season, my gun was sitting right there, and the enemy said to me, take that, because I wanted to die. I called up a friend, I said, I just want you to know what the devil's wanted to do. I'm not planning on using it, I'm not going to give you the gun, I just want you to know that he's telling me to use it, and someone needs to know about that. He said, well, the devil's a liar, but God's brought you to the end of yourself, and that's exactly where you need to be. 
Broken simply means we understand what it means that it is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. I want to remind you that the breaking process is a place that you learn that you can trust God with even the most painful, the most personal things. Psalms 147.3 says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, healing their pain and comforting their sorrow. Isaiah 42.3, the Amplified says a broken reed he will not break off and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will not harm those who are weak and suffering. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Listen, what God is allowing you to be broken, but he will not allow you to be damaged. Your light may be dim, but he has no desire desire to put out your fire. But it's when we're broken that we come to fully understand the love of God. The prodigal son went out full of himself. But he came back broken and empty with nothing to show for all he did but failure, wasted time, money, and potential. But the father welcomed him back as a son. Do you know that a good father will allow you to experience brokenness, but he'll never crush you? That son was willing to come back as a servant. And if the father had taken him in as a servant, it would have crushed that boy. He would have had food and shelter, but he would have felt rejection. And that would have done him in. Let me ask you, aren't you thankful for the overwhelming love of God? Hear me. The amount of pain, too, that we experience in our times of brokenness depends on what is being broken, and watch this, how long it's been a part of our lives. We don't know how long the boy ate with the pigs before he came to his senses. Doesn't tell you. He was out of his mind long enough, and he got hungry enough, and was proud enough not to go home that he wound up eating with pigs before he decided to humble himself and go home. Hear me. God never took the thorn in Paul's flesh away. But I can assure you that God, that Paul made the necessary adjustments in his life so that he wasn't always getting poked. When we were hiking through the, the mountains, a lot of those mountain bushes have thorns. We made adjustments to our walk so we didn't get stuck. Hear me. Now listen. Thorns in our life give us room to move, but very little wiggle room to get out of God's will. I call this freedom with limits. Hey, Paul. I'm going to use you powerfully, but this is where I want you. This is your lane. Stay in it. And when you move over here, when you move over here, freedom with limits. Turn to someone and say, stay in your lane. Thank God for the thorns. Thank God for the thorns. I said, thank God for the thorns. I believe that there are many who need to know you're not broken, 
You're not damaged goods. You're just experiencing brokenness. I want to tell you, a church that allows themselves to be broken is different than the other churches that don't. Christians that allow themselves to know that his grace is sufficient and enough, they walk differently, talk differently. They walk with God differently. It looks very different. People who don't do that and call themselves Christians, they believe they love the Lord, but they've never been used powerfully. They're saved. But there's a difference. God's raising up fully devoted disciples to the Lord. And I believe that God is bringing all of us who desire to live victorious in this world to a place where we know we can't do it on our own and we're not supposed to do it on our own. I believe that God is breaking us of pride because he doesn't want to resist us. Remember, God resists the proud. And he desires that we live in his favor and his grace. I want to remind you that Joseph had a great promise from God that he would be put in a position of great authority and that God would use him to help many people. Yet in his youth, Joseph was too full of pride to reach his potential. And it was not until he found himself in a place of brokenness, until after 13 years of trials, temptations, betrayal, and even wrongful imprisonment, that the promise was fulfilled. This work of brokenness, of complete dependence of, on God, this thing that is completely different than the way the world works is God doing his perfect work in us. My prayer this morning is that our cry today will be, Lord, break me, mold me, fill me, use me. Church, I want to tell you, people are saying to me left and right, and I'm seeing it in the world, I see it in our church, where men and women of God are finding themselves in places of pain and they can't even explain it. I want to explain it for you. It is the work of brokenness. God is for you and not against you. He loves us enough to discipline us as children. Listen, if you're saying, God, I want to see the revelations like Paul see. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see people saved. I want to see a community that's transformed for the glory of God. I want to see a nation come back to Jesus. Hear me right now. God will take you through seasons of brokenness and you'll be like, unlike people that you've ever known. You won't look like the rest of people that say they're a believer. You're going to see God bring you to a place where you allow yourself to be weak and you're okay with that. You won't find yourself strutting along knowing that you're all that. As a matter of fact, you won't even care that you're all that because Jesus is our everything. And until he is our everything, we will never be anything. How many of you want to be everything if you told Jesus? Would you stand with me this morning? Here's what I'd like. If you would, just as Cherry comes to the keyboard, I want to open the altars this morning. I know that was a lot to talk. That was a lot to take in. Some of you are going to need to go back and listen to that two or three times to get it all. Listen, if you're willing to say, Lord, break me, mold me, use me, make me, would you make your way to the altar this morning? If we as a church would just say, God, whatever it takes, I want to be without you. Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, come and do it. 
If there's anyone who wants that, would you just come to the front? Would you just move your way to the altar? I really feel like God wanted, if you're in the place and you're hurting and you're in a place of brokenness, you're in that place of wounding, God wants to heal you. But he wants you to be more like him. More like him. Could we just lift our hands across this room this morning? Father, this morning we come to you. Like Paul, we want to thank you for bringing us to the end of ourselves. Jesus, thank you that we've seen you answer the prayers of your people. No small thing after 50 years to see Roe versus Wade defeated. That's marvelous. But Lord, the heart of people in this country haven't changed in many ways. There are still people who say they're Christians, but they're for abortion. There are still people that in the church are so focused on their own success that we've pushed you to the side and we're unable to be used by you. Lord, I thank you that in these seasons of weakness, you break us of every sin. Lord, I pray right now that you would break us of every sin that holds us back, every besetting sin, every familiar sin, everything, including pride, where we want to promote ourselves or promote a church. Father, we ask that you'd forgive us for all of that right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, we offer ourselves to you completely. Lord, we want to be used by you in these days. We want to see people healed. Lord, we want to see not only the miracles, the physical healing, but Lord, to see the deep emotional trauma that people have experienced. Know the goodness of God, the healing of God, the perfection of God, the life of God. And Lord, before we can minister that, you've got to do that in us. Lord, today we open our heart instead of protecting it. We trust you with it. Thank you, Lord, that sometimes you bring us to that place of anger so that we'll actually deal with something. Thank you, Lord, for the pinch that makes us aware of what's going on, the thorn that pokes us right where you're wanting to deal with us. Lord, I pray for those this morning that are going through the the thorns and the poking. Lord, we don't, we don't say this flippantly or sarcastically. Thank you for them. Thank you, Lord, for allowing your work in our life, even if you've allowed Satan to buffet us. Thank you, Lord God, that every good and perfect gift comes from heaven. And Lord, we trust you. Whatever it is about ourself that we need to die to so that you can live. We ask you to do it. Lord, renew our thoughts. Renew our understanding. Would you just lift your hands and say, Jesus, make me like you. Jesus, make us like you. Father, as a church, you've told us what we'll see, the greater things. But Lord, like Paul, we don't want to we, we don't want to be the people that are strutting around. We pray, Lord, that we'd be like the Mother Teresa's. Pray we'd be like the John's. Like the woman with the alabaster box. 
Lord, they weren't worried about how they looked, what other people thought. They did your work and they had the results because it wasn't about them. Lord, let there be less of us and more of you. Jesus, let there be less of me and more of you. Would you just cry that out? Less of me and more of you. Lord, may you increase and may we decrease this morning. What people would see in us would be Jesus. That it would be your work and your power and your goodness and your greatness that would go out of our lives, out of the ministry of this church. Father, that we would see people healed and restored. God, not just standing on right and wrong, but on relationship with Jesus. Oh, Lord, that you'd be glorified. Lord, I pray that we'd look back at this week and we'd see at harvest several great things happen. First of all, that on the 24th, Roe v. Wade was overturned. But on that same week, you began a revival work in the presence of this community because a church would humble themselves before the Lord. And Lord, we do humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Thank you, Lord, for dealing with the deep hurts. There are some that have had issues in their life for years. And the truth was, if they had gotten over those issues, they would have strutted around like they had it all together. Thank you, Lord, that right now you're healing us while we humble ourselves. And Lord, as often as you need to, break us, mold us, make us, fill us, and use us for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name. If that's your prayer, would you say a good amen? Amen. Listen, the Lord bless you. He's faithful. Amen. I pray the Lord will bless you this week. Listen, you may go through some things. And if you're going through, know that you're not alone. Call one of us. We'll pray with you. We'll stand with you. We'll just be broken together and whole in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock.